What if you could simply trust all information on the internet? My name is Sebastian and I'm on a mission to build a trusted web for all of us on planet Earth. An internet where my parents, possibly my future kids and my own generation can find truth and feel safe. Because to save the world, we need to fix the internet. In the Trusted Web podcast, I embark on a journey with you, my listener, and thought leaders to explore what needs to get done. With this special thing called blockchain timestamps, all content you consume will be transparent and accountable. Welcome to the new default on the internet. Thank you for being part of this journey and let's build the Trusted Web together. In this episode, I'm joined by Pamposh Raina. Pamposh is a journalist based in New Delhi. She has written on policy, politics, gender, and child rights for international publications, including the foreign policy magazine, US News and World Report, uh, News Deeply, and Women in the World. She has been a reporter for the New York Times and was the deputy editor for India Inc., which was New York Times' first ever uh, country-specific blog. And her Twitter bio says, interested in misinformation and disinformation, but just interested, that might be an understanding, credible as she is on the topic. And today she will be speaking uh, as an independent journalist uh, with us at the Trusted Web Podcast. Pemposh, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you, Sebastian. It seems like sometimes from the outside, India has a totally different playing field in media. Can you explain a bit how media works there and uh, the problems of misinformation and disinformation? So I think uh, for anybody who is not familiar with the media system in India, I think one of the biggest uh, challenges of understanding the Indian media is that, you know, we operate in multiple languages. So for an outsider or for somebody who's from a country where just, just one or only a couple languages spoken, I think that seems very daunting. So our regional media is very robust. Our national media is very robust. And, uh, you know, we have 22 official languages. Uh, and we have television stations, newspapers, radio stations spread across the length and breadth of the country, which cater to the local audiences. And then we have uh, national newspapers and national television stations, which uh, primarily cater to people, uh, you know, audiences that read or understand English and Hindi. So that's that's uh, a very, very sort of sneak peek into what the media landscape in India is. Having said that, you know, uh, you specifically asked about misinformation and disinformation. Uh, I think in India, we've really focused a lot on misinformation over the last two years. I'd say 2018 was really that, uh, you know, it was an eye-opener for a lot of us who our journalists, because, you know, we saw a lot of reports uh, of, of people being killed after child kidnap rumors were spreading in rural parts of the country primarily, or in smaller towns, which were, you know, on the outskirts of bigger cities. And nobody really understood uh, this phenomenon per se, that, you know, the problem was that these messages were being shared on closed messaging apps, apps, primarily WhatsApp, which is very popular in India. So the unsubstantiated information about, you know, uh, child kidnappers being on the loose was spread 
uh, rampantly in local areas and uh, in some cases you know the voiceovers were in the regional language that was spoken in that area so this created a huge suspicion amongst people about outsiders so anybody who was not say from a particular village or uh, a cluster of villages and you know people spotted somebody who seemed like an outsider that person became a target and you know that person was potentially lynched or uh, killed so there was there were a lot of these incidents and uh, nobody really had the answers of what was going on but that i'd say 2018 was really the year when um, there was this uh, conscious effort to do something about it and i would say that uh, google played a very important role uh, in that as far as india is concerned because it 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 uh, you know it was that year in 2018 when google put out applications for you know uh, training journalists from across uh, india on um, countering misinformation so you know it invited people to journalists to attend a five day workshop at its headquarter here in in uh, wow. you know near new delhi and uh, i think for, for for most people for most journalists that was the time when we collectively started thinking about the problem you know we step step outside of uh, you know the newsroom and we collectively sat together with experts who were already trying to uh, work in this space and had experience uh, with countering misinformation you know in in the west so yeah. they trained us on the tools and techniques of uh, uh, identifying misinformation and trying to address the problem so uh, you know a lot of it it was a good uh, you know way of sort of looking at journalism in the old school way of you know trying to address the five w's and one h but again given the magnitude and scale of misinformation that you know we found ourselves buried under uh there was a need to act fast and to react yeah. fast so i think that uh that really was a moment for for uh, you know journalists in india 2018 uh the google news initiative which wow was and instrumental yeah there there's a lot to unpack there um firstly can you very, very briefly in in a lot of uh videos uh where where you give presentation or q and a you emphasize what the difference is between misinformation and disinformation can you uh, briefly elaborate on that sure so uh disinformation is something that's done at a more conscious level so miscreants uh vested interest groups bad actors you know they try to create certain campaigns they try to find ways to tarnish the image of a particular group or a community through sustained campaigns by uh, you know spreading lies by spreading half truths about them so that's a consciously done malicious act i put it like that and when somebody is receiving that piece of information or mis misinformation you know when somebody is receiving that content as and is unconsciously spreading that so that person becomes a purveyor of misinformation you know the yeah. person may not be consciously trying to uh, malign somebody or you know share uh, uh, information which is not true yeah. but by becoming purveyors of a particular kind of information with the, without verifying whether the you know uh, content that they have received from source x is actually legit or not so yeah. so that sort of starts the cycle of 
misinformation. So yeah. it's pretty simple, you know, disinformation is the root and then misinformation is what the result is. And then the cycle yeah. continues. Yeah, clear. And some of my guests over the last weeks, they said, hey, uh, big tech is part of the evil, part of the source. How uh, it's, it's super interesting to hear in 2018 that Google took such a lead in educating journalists in India. Was that a logical, from, from your opinion, was, was that a logical step uh, for Google to do that? Look, I wouldn't comment on, you know, uh, whether it was logical for Google to do it or not. But, you know, from the standpoint of, uh, you know, what we experienced as journalists, I think one needs to take a step back and understand that typically when, you know, when you're running a news organization and if there is no conscious effort to specifically do work around misinformation, then you've already dropped the ball, right? So yeah. what, why I... Uh, repeatedly talk about you know my google experience or the experience of my uh, colleagues is because that gave us that opportunity to step out of the newsroom to uh, you know sit together understand and absorb what the problem really was and try to think about okay you know what is it that uh, can be taken back to our newsrooms how can we train our colleagues so it also uh, points to the problem of funding yeah. Because a lot of newsrooms have not been, at least in India, you know, a lot of newsrooms have not been allocating uh, funds specifically to train reporters on, you know, addressing misinformation or countering misinformation. So for many journalists, that was that opportunity to actually uh, pick up a new skill. And uh, I think uh, having said that, I think I just say that what big tech is doing or what a Google did at that point of course, you know, there are always questions about, like, like you just said, that uh, a lot of misinformation spawns on these platforms. So that definitely is something that, you know, cannot be uh, negated. It is true, right? So, but if they're trying to do something to uh, spread awareness, if they're trying to do something to educate people, I would say that, you know, uh, that's a welcome step. And what would you say? What's the literacy of journalists in India now since 2018? Is it one of the highest in the world probably after training like that? I wouldn't say it's one of the highest in the world because, you know, like I said at the outset that uh, India is a huge country. And, you know, when we look at uh, news organizations, there are news organizations that are part of the mainstream at the, that, that operate at the national level. Then there are smaller ones. So, the effort, the network that was created, you know, through Google and uh, some of the work that Facebook has also done with journalists. I think there's been a concerted effort uh, because A, India is a huge market for the big tech. And if one tech company is doing something uh, to that effect, I think it's just a natural for another one to jump in and say, hey, we also want to do something. So uh, I think the awareness level has really increased in newsrooms. You know, there is that conscious conversation around it, at least in the main big newsrooms, you know, uh, people do talk about it as opposed yeah. to, say, you know, two and a half, three years back, where there were just a few uh, news organizations, which was small, I mean, which weren't full fledged, which were just, you know, I'd say there were small units that were, that were trying to independently, uh, you know, counter misinformation. 
yeah. and they they were they were focusing on verification of facts so uh it's it's really been uh i think a lot of work has been done around it over the last two and a half three years so which is definitely something that's welcome and india has the highest number of uh ifc and certified uh, fact checking organizations today i think which it's fantastic given that yeah. we've started uh, just two and a half years back i'd say and it Is there, for example, in search engines or other media platforms, is there kind of a labeling like this is a certified journalist or uh, this is fact checked? So typically, news organizations that are in the business of uh, fact checking in India, you know, any organization that is fact checking, and I'm talking about the IFCN ones, for instance. So they typically have a vertical which specifically says, you know, fact check information, and then they'll have their policy of uh, what the methodology is and you know how they've Uh, come to the conclusion that they have so uh, anybody who is in the business of fact checking today is trying to you know keep their process transparent but having said that i just uh, feel that there still needs to be a lot more transparency yeah. in what is being done i mean it's not 100% transparent but uh, it's i think it's it's a it's a practice now in indian newsrooms if they if they're fact checking something So it's pretty yeah. uh, clear that you know it's a which organization is doing b that you know it's been fact checked by them. One of the things we are working on is through blockchain technology. It's an open source technology to timestamp. Uh, what we do is a unique fingerprint of a certain revision of content, and we store that in a blockchain. So you can always prove that information existed at a specific moment in time. And secondly, you can connect identity to information. And what the policymakers are educated on is information that's trend or information that matters. Should be transparent and accountable, and um, if transparency and accountability has been taken in an open source way, that should impact ranking. So, for example, the more transparent, if you, for instance, choose to have revisions, you can rank higher. And for information like terms and conditions, that should be mandatory. But also accountability. If you uh, prove that you are you as a sender of information, uh, that should rank higher in timelines. Is that something you can imagine that uh, a search engine in India will do, uh, saying, "Hey, we favor information that's from these journalists, and we label that in search results"? I think that may happen. I mean, I think that that's something that uh, definitely seems like you know we can do here. It doesn't seem impossible, but uh, to your point, I think that's a, that's a very very valid point in terms of you know having. Uh, a very transparent approach and clear approach in terms of you know when the information was updated who is updating it so i think that definitely needs to be done i mean right now we're yeah. not there but uh, clearly there will be a lot of value in uh, doing something like that what made you decide to focus specifically on the problem space of disinformation and misinformation i think like a lot of my colleagues uh, I think we were just trying to understand what was really going on in in 2018 when you know we we uh, saw closed messaging apps, especially WhatsApp, like I mentioned, uh, you know, being being uh, such an important part of everybody's life, and you know the kind of information that was uh, or misinformation that uh, you know was was predominant and continues to be predominant on the platform. I think everybody was just wondering that you know what is it that can be done, and then you actually saw that you know. 
the impact of the kind of content that was being shared had real world impact people were getting killed yeah and uh, also the problematic part was that this was happening in certain quarters of the country where illiteracy uh, levels are known to be high so the question was that how can some something like this be uh, stopped what kind of awareness can be created and uh, you know as journalists there was a natural proclivity towards understanding this and trying yeah. to do something about it because you know i always feel that at the end of the day when we talk about misinformation when we talk about countering misinformation it boils down to old school journalism of you know not i mean we always try to verify information you know what is your source so that's exactly yeah. what we do when we try to create uh, solutions or when we try to you know uh, produce verification reports and the idea yeah. is that you know whatever you're putting out you have to give that reassurance to your reader that uh, i have followed a scientific way of arriving at the conclusion and that's why i can say that you know whatever you were reading or whatever you came across on your whatsapp is wrong and this is the trajectory of that so i think that's yeah. that scientific approach is very important and the 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 hard thing is in in india as you described misinformation disinformation it's in the most uh it, it literally costs lives and what what you see in the us in the and and uh most part of europe it's misinformation has a high cost but not always lives and that's that's the difference right with india it is because like i said that you know uh, we've seen over the last few years that closed messaging apps are definitely a problem and given that you know when when information or misinformation flows within a closed circuit it is very difficult to find out what the source is yeah and by the time something gets viral uh the chances are that if it's something which is uh, you know which can uh, offend somebody if it's something that's polarizing if it's something that has to do with somebody's religion so you know you hurting of religious sentiments in india is something that we've seen uh, you know is not taken uh, lightly by people and people get offended people take to violence if something like that happens so when we see messages spreading in closed circuits so by the time something gets viral and you put out a correction half the time the damage may already be done you know yeah so that's really problematic so it's also the magnitude it's the scale of misinformation is really huge in india which is the problem that you know we are all trying to address and what's the solution do you think is it purely journalism that should solve this or is there are more stakeholders uh is there involvement needed from more stakeholders i think there's there's involvement needed from uh you know everyone from 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 schools to colleges to civil society uh everybody needs to step up and everybody needs to understand that this is a problem that's plaguing our society and uh, you know there has to be that education and there's being work in that direction for sure but i think the challenge is definitely uh, when it comes to reaching out to the grassroots people who do not who cannot read and write 
if they see something you know in a video and they can relate to it and they can hear the voice over which may be in their local language and uh, they spread it to so many other people so how do you counter that so i think for us the problem here in india is multilayered it's not only just addressing uh, one aspect of it so that's why i think at different in different uh, tiers of the society we all need to collectively come together or at least play our part you know whenever somebody is receiving a piece of content it's very easy to blindly forward it without without uh, verifying it yeah. but an effort needs to be put in in terms of making people understand that you know you cannot just do that if you don't know yeah. what the source is if it's not very clear and you really feel compelled that you need to share it either find out if there's a legit source or not if you're yeah. not sure then please don't share it it can kill people so yeah wow and what, what to to close it off how how will the problem of uh, fake news misinformation disinformation evolve in the years ahead in india what do you expect will it get worse will it get better where are we in uh, at the end of this decade you know i wish i had the answers to all of that or any of that and you know if if one were to be very optimistic i mean i would definitely say oh it's going to go away but the sad fact is that you know we see a lot more of it coming our way and especially now that um, you know there's a lot of vaccine misinformation for instance yeah so the pandemic has created a scenario where there are a lot of unknowns yeah and because there are so many unknowns it also creates an opportunity to create uh you know a lot of theories a lot of narratives which people might be more willing to buy now because yeah. there is there is a scare there is you know a lot of uncertainty so you know small example fake cures of for covid-19 i mean we saw a lot of that earlier uh last year when people yeah. were just you know beginning to grapple with the fact that okay we have a huge problem here so there was a lot of that happening so i mean we are all hopeful that gradually you know the pandemic is going to go away and things will be back to normal but we don't know what's going to come next what's going to happen no. next so i think keeping that in mind the only way that we can uh, win this battle or we can try to counter misinformation is by spreading more awareness that's the only tool we have yeah and making sure that you know the formats in which information is shared is understood by a wider audience and that and those formats are uh, understood by different sections of the society you know maybe bespoke formats for different age groups as well so things that yeah. people can relate to maybe more video content more creative so i think we all have to be very creative with the solutions that's the only way we can maybe uh, deal with the situation deal with the problem and is there a big role for big tech for example showing notices with information i'm not sure what the situation is but i can imagine that if that's the tool where people consume uh, that that is important i think it's i think big tech has a huge role to play and if we look at india the fact is that uh, something like a twitter or a facebook i mean even though the numbers are huge in india but still not it's not you know with a population of 1.3 billion not everybody consumes information through those sources yeah and you know there are other sources for instance tiktok was something that you know people had begun to use in india but it's been banned now so there'll be these hyperlocal apps that people are using to share content so 
big tech definitely has its part to play i mean uh, we saw that in the us right i think yeah. uh, during the us elections the fact that they were able to la- label a lot of misinformation and you know they were able to label a lot of uh, uh, i mean tweets from trump they they, they called yes. out his lies like i mean that was fantastic even though it came towards the end of yeah. his term but i think during the election uh, they did that and we need something similar in india as well i don't see a lot of that happening in india and yeah. i think it's 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 again one of those questions of you know the policies that these big uh, tech companies have be it a facebook be it a twitter that yeah. often times you know you may just uh, reach out to facebook and say that uh, a particular piece of content that uh, one came across is not should not be on the platform should be taken off but you know you they might just take it off for some time and then later you'll see it's back again because they say that uh, as per their policies it's just fine so i think that's what is problematic yeah i can yeah <laughs> i i i i agree there and um let let's let, let's uh, wrap it up here thank you so much for uh, joining the the trusted web podcast and where can people find the the work you do the important work you do thank you for uh, you know having me on the show uh, i usually share you know the work that i do on twitter or on uh, fathom website so yeah that's that's uh, where people can uh, find my work and if they want to reach out to me let's build the trusted web together that was pampush raina sharing her insights from misinformation and disinformation in india what a different world and earlier than most they learned there how misinformation and disinformation literally costs lives thanks again for sharing your insights pampush uh, and for you the listener lastly i'd love to invite you to go to thetrustedweb.org/podcast where you of course will find the show notes uh, and furthermore you'll find a report on the state of misinformation we recently published as we surveyed thousands of participants across the globe to better understand the impact misinformation has on their lives and how they view the problem there are incredible findings there that surprise all of us over here and will probably surprise you too and furthermore you'll find uh, the other episodes other guests and education and use cases all for building a trusted web through open source technology it's all available there of course for free the trustedweb.org slash podcast thank you for listening and therefore being part of the trusted web journey and let's build the trusted web together <laughs>